I'm Helani Ellis, and this is the Exceptional Admins Podcast, where I invite admins, executives, and influencers to come together in an intimate setting. The world for administrative professionals doesn't just involve basic tasks. It includes an array of requests, challenges, and triumphs. During each episode, you'll be a witness to candid conversations and hear and join in on many, many laughs. And for those that know me, it wouldn't be complete without thought-provoking moments. The distinguished guests sharing time with us during each episode believe in the admin profession and have much to contribute to the greater good of executives, their admins, and organizations. Now, let's get to today's topic. Have I got a resource for you guys. I am a huge fan of handwritten notes. I love to have stationery at the ready. I can be found buying cards when I'm out, whether they're a blank card with a funny picture on the outside. But in this case, I'm bringing to you today a stationery studio that's available on Etsy through an amazing designer called Anya Powell. She's out of Duluth, Minnesota. When I ordered stationery from her, I received this beautifully wrapped package. She really thought of every detail down to the tissue paper holding all of it together and I was so impressed that I reached out to her I gave her high marks on her customer service and said I want to tell my audience about you she was so honored that I thought to go the extra mile to connect with her and so I'm connecting you guys with her by means of telling you about her amazing stationery and what she does to deliver to you guys a custom product so consider today ordering your own custom stationery to have at the ready to send out those very sweet, not often thought of touch through a handwritten note to someone today. But the real impact for me and for the executives that I've worked for has come from reading between the lines. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode. I've got an amazing, intelligent professional today joining me virtually here over Zoom. She's out of Utah and I'm here in Denver, as you guys know, and I'm thrilled to have my guest, Ryan. I interacted with Ryan over the phone quite a while ago and was very impressed with just the way that she processes information, shares information and her career as a professional, which we're about to unpack. And so Thank you so much, Ryan, for spending time with me. We've got a set of questions and we are ready to record this episode. So thank you for spending time with me. Thanks for having me, Helani. It's fun to be in the hot seat. (laughs) Uh, This is very true. The hot seat is super fun. Okay. So the style in which we've got questions, there's so much to unpack. I kind of want to start with that background first, right? Everyone has a unique story that kind of puts them to where they are today. And that if you looked in the rearview mirror, you're like, Hey, it actually kind of makes sense why I'm doing what I'm doing. And sometimes it doesn't. And it's a nice surprise. So my first question to kind of get us started, we'd love to hear, you know, share with us the details about you and your background. I'm glad that I get a chance to introduce myself. I grew up with parents who taught that jobs uh, in healthcare, family work, like as a mom and education and sales were the right jobs because those were the jobs that had a strong work ethic. And those lessons were instilled in me in my first job as a babysitter to barter for music lessons. I mean, as a babysitter, my business was based on word of mouth. And because of that strong working childhood, I was then attracted to education. I got 
a master's degree in education. I moved into administration and then the sales part of my life came in when I joined the go-to-market team and did some project management there. But it all went back to what I learned as a babysitter, which was it's word of mouth. And if your skills are great, you're going to be referred. Um, in my very first job, I then heard from a great mentor who said, Ryan, if you want to go far, the first application that you made uh, after you graduated from your master's degree, which should be your last, you should mm -hmm. apply for your first job and ensure that every job following is one that you're referred and recruited to. So my first application has, is still my last right now. <laughs> and I plan to confidently continue that storyline. So that's a little bit about me and where I'm at now. I love it. And that hard work ethic, a lot of us in, in the admin career absolutely have that right as a primary thing, whether it's an extrovertedness or an introvertedness and just really hardworking is one of the things I love about this family of professionals. Did you always know you wanted to be an assistant? I actually didn't. And I refused the first several calls uh, that uh, executives made to have me be their executive assistant. I, I had a very skewed perspective of what the role was because I thought it was a glorified secretary. I mean, coming from, you know, a big sales, hardworking family, like jo jobs that were like Reese Witherspoon as a lawyer were really attractive to me, not jobs as a secretary. I wanted to be on the front line. So it wasn't until a great executive and I talked through what the role actually could be and what between the lines of the job description entailed about the role where we discovered, hey, an executive assistant or a chief of staff role was actually what I wanted. And I could consider that title because of the job description, not because of the title. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so true that it, that the perception about the career is all over the place <laughs> and it's a good thing. It's the gift of the, the career. And it's also then the curse from, you know, bias and lack of current day perception. Uh, what was your first admin role? I mean, thinking back, I haven't really thought about it in years that my first admin role was actually while I was in college. I was working at the Speech and Presentation Center, which was a mouthful at the time uh, at Southern Utah University. And my role there was calendaring, scheduling. I transcribed interviews for graduate students before voice to text ever became affordable SAS for universities. Man, that is a nice perk now for students. <laughs> but, and then I assisted students with their classroom presentations. It's kind of funny because it's now full circle. I now polish presentations for executives mm. in my role now. Mm -hmm. That is such an easy way to help an executive buy back time. I was on a call this morning with a client and I'm like, it would be amazing if the assistant did the first 50% of the presentation right? Really getting it to the eyes in the way that the executive likes to see information and then have them just pick it up, right? And finish it versus starting from a complete blank slate. Knowing that during that first admin job, you know, thinking back and looking back, was it the speech and presentation center? Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. You probably covered then when you were transcribing interviews, like interview questions, what was, oh, What's a, what's the worst interview question maybe you've ever heard or been asked? You know, I would like to say that I haven't been interviewed that much, but I fully suggest that everyone should take an interview every year just to make sure you're in a good place and what you want in your next job. So I've taken several and the worst interview question, I mean, I'm going to take this one step further because the worst one that I always get asked is tell me about a time when you haven't gotten along with another EA 
or another person? Uh, I think it's a totally negative uh, interview question. It's completely biased. And, and for any reason you can think of why that question could be biased, but questions of like that remind me of, you know, different quotes that I've heard. There, there's one that says like behind every great executive is not an executive assistant. She is with them, not behind them. Mm. And the reason why I connect them is if there's an EA that you don't get along with, um, or they are asking that type of a question, they're totally exposing to you that they probably have problems on their team with EAs not getting along or coworkers not getting along and they're looking to solve it. And through you as the interviewee, they want to solve that. And so when I look at interviews, while it's the worst question, you can utilize that to figure out um, what their culture is like and it'll tell you more than you will tell about yourself. So you just have to figure out what you're gonna say. Are you gonna be growing in your role? like the other executives, or you're going to be left behind solving the problems of not getting along mm. with others. Yeah. Nobody wants to show up to that. I mean, who's no one wants that energy. That's a really great way, which was one of the things you guys for listening of how I was, you know, fascinated by the way that Ryan receives information, process it, and then talks about it. Right. She took that question to the next level of this is actually highlighting and maybe it's not. So like, we'll just give some grace to those out there, but for the most part, it's like, what is the culture? Like how many admins are here? Have they been here way too long that they're fixated in their way or are they pliable? And like, is there a community amongst a community of people that get stuff done every day? Uh, so I really appreciate that when you were working in your first admin role and then, you know, going through your career, you said something on our call that was really exciting that we're going to unpack the significance of taking the job description from bullet points to a calling share with us here, you know, how that shift of thought has impacted you. Well, bullet points, as we all know, they're tactical to-do list. Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you complete it? And what's the impact of you finishing that? But the real impact for me and for the executives that I've worked for has come from reading between the lines, um, finding just like uh, Sinek said, uh, your influence comes from un understanding the why, the when, and the impact of the work that you do. So it isn't just, can you develop this presentation um, at any time? It's, can you understand all of the information that was given to you? Can you understand how our entire department works and what the audience wants? That's how you come up with 50% or even 80% of a presentation. Um, that's a much stronger EA and a much more like well-rounded role for me than someone that just completes to-do lists. Everyone is going to have an ask, but not everyone is going to have a calling. They're very different. Uh, I hadn't thought about what I was going to call this episode. And I think I'm, I'm actually going to call it reading between the lines uh, because <laughs> that is a bit mysterious. And then it's like, Hey, what does that mean? Um, that's exciting and tactical to-do list. I mean, if we think on the weekends, right, our grocery shopping list of like, we've got to get to the store. We don't want to forget anything. It's really a list of stuff that we want to strike out and just go through, which puts a lot of assistance in a place of being reactive, which has a time and place and puts a lot of assistance. And I'm not trying to dumb down the career by just using the word assistant. I'm using it right now, just mm -hmm. as an easy form of communication. And then there's that proactive, which you're 
you're bringing it up to tie it into my comment earlier about the PowerPoint presentation. If you really know what the department is doing, you could do more than that 50%, which is really to, you know, shifting and helping you have a higher impact. So I love that. You mentioned earlier, you have a master's degree, you know, how has that positioned you well in your career, particularly in a profession, the admin profession that doesn't normally require that level of education? Uh, it's a funny one to think about because that question can be asked with bias, but it's always a positive to me. I think most executives value additional education or continuing education of any time. People want lifelong learners. It's on the value list of so many different companies. Uh, and especially in the SaaS industry where no one has all the answers, we are continually innovating to find new answers. But the application of any degree that you have, especially a master's degree, is usually the game changer. So for me, I have a master's of education in counseling and student affairs. It's a mouthful, but my study there in counseling provided me and still continues to provide me with a different lens to view problems affecting our organizations. I view solutions from the change manager perspective rather than the ROI perspective. So someone in finance or sales is looking for the bottom line revenue. In addition to that, you also have to think about your collaboration. And when I'm collaborating with a sales executive, we're looking at a more well-rounded view because I'm looking at the people impact, the organization impact, in addition to the revenue impact. We have to have revenue to grow a company, but you don't get revenue without people. And so together we see the solution with a more well-rounded view. And that's mm -hmm. where my master's degree has changed for me. Mm -hmm. I really love that. And additional information through the form of whether it's just professional development or going out and getting a master's or getting a certification for something, you know, we are one gifted the ability to learn just about anything, right? Go to Google, go to YouTube, go to lynda.com, which is a part of the link LinkedIn platform, or even going to a local or quick little plug EA university, which is an all day workshop that happens in Denver. <laughs> I'll just throw that there. Cause it was so perfect. Um, yeah, I love that. And I want those that are listening to just remember that maybe you have this nice steady hum in your job right now. Notice I did not use the word stagnation steady hum in your job right now, maybe professional development on any one of those resources I mentioned can give you a little bit of fire, right? Give you that chance to get that learning, um, higher because we are lifelong learners and we appreciate the dopamine hit that comes with learning something new and advancing our smarts. So I love that as an EA where you've been able to show up as a dynamic partner, um, where have you shown up to also be an influencer? Oh, I am definitely not an Instagram influencer, but <laughs> you've I got great hair believe... for it. <laughs> yeah, great. But swag, I great do hair. believe yeah. I do believe in nudge theory for sure. Yes, um, love that. And how that plays in there. Um, how do I get to be an influencer? Honestly, I think a lot about uh, Amy Cuddy's book Presence. It's a TED Talk too for those who would just want. To to read the cliff notes, um, but I've used her advice often. And Amy talks about in the book that if you're invited to the meeting, there's a reason that you're invited and you should be present uh, in that meeting um, and you have something to offer. Uh, it's also related to like the imposter syndrome of like, mm -hmm. why am I invited here? Like, do I deserve to be here? And so one thing you have to remember as an EA is that you're normally invited because you're supposed to be an observer or you're taking notes, but that doesn't always mean that you have to do it quietly. 
you should be in so many meetings that you understand where this is going, the impact of the conversation, what the goal is. And so you should be asking questions, whether inside and outside of that meeting, highlighting opportunities where you can win, fail. If, it, if an executive is not picking up on it, you can highlight it and say, hey, whoa, 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 have we thought about that completely? I mean, just last week I did it. I said, hey, you're talking about something that could be a bad thing. I see it as an opportunity. Does everyone else see the opportunity of this situation? So for me, like a chief of staff or a senior EA, you're a senior leader that just operates under a different title. You don't have any direct reports, but you're still an operator. And so as you ask questions and try to understand things from your perspective, you might also be helping another executive understand their perspective of something. And so where it finally dawned on me that I actually had a thought or people cared that I was at the meeting and I should also care that much more where I'm in a meeting. I was at an outdoor board meeting. We were overlooking some of the prettiest landscapes and uh, we were uh, debating a new strategic plan for uh, media and press. And all of the executives presented their opinion. And one of our board members uh, looked at me because I was the only one that hadn't spoke in the situation. And he asked, Ryan, what do you think of all of it? And I did have an answer. I was, I was completely absorbed into the conversation and uh, was able to pivot to the next strategic steps. And so I finally realized like, it's okay to observe, but one day it's going to come where they're going to give you a mic when you're not anticipating it and you have to be ready for that. Um, and, or you have to use your mic when it's not turned on to make mm -hmm. sure that your executives and your company reaches the right conclusion. Mm hmm. I'm so appreciative of all of the wisdom you just gave, and I'm going to speak real quick. I love that you said nudge theory. I've actually talked about it before. And just real quick for those that aren't familiar with it, nudge theory is the idea that subtle suggestions, choices, and positive reinforcement often achieve more influence than commands, rules, and punishment, right? And so there's this soft ability to ask a question or to your point, right? Make a suggestion. Like when they asked you like, Hey, Ryan, we haven't heard from you yet. You're the only one at the table that hasn't spoken. Here's the mic. You're on the hot seat. Uh, you know, what do you have to say? It's really important to pay attention. Um, and I'm currently reading a book called leading without authority. And I'll have in the show notes that plus the Amy Cuddy book, and then a link to nudge theory. If you guys want to read more, how the new power of co-elevation can break down silos, transform teams and reinvent collaboration. There is so much once you start to insert yourself kind of to her point about influence, dynamic partnership. If you know a lot that's going on from a position of knowledge, not nosiness, you have the chance to contribute. And I think I want to use the word contribute versus quote, speak up or quote, the lean in term that we hear often contribute your contributor, especially to your point, which I love that statement. If you've been invited, you're, you're there, there, there's an involvement and your participation is desired. So I really like that. What is something that you're working on to help you be stronger in your role and career? Uh, I don't think Helani knew that the book that she's reading is actually the one that I started to read because I look at that as leading without weaponization. And that is what I'm working on right now. So oh my God. I love it. I did not know that. I, I did not know that. Uh, it's a great book. And one of my other EAs who actually is speaking at EA university, it's his second time. 
His executive, I just found this out, is actually being coached by the author, author of this book. So he's listening into all those coaching calls. So he's bringing some of that wisdom to EA University. Uh, so I know that was a total plug, but it's so relevant because we're talking about the book. Um, it's an amazing book and it's actually up on the books page of my website that I just recently launched for everyone to kind of have some book ideas that are unconventional when it comes to being in an admin. So you're working on that, um, mm-hmm. not to put you even more on the hot seat, but like how many pages are you in? What are you getting from it? Uh, give us a little bit of that if you can. I'm not that far into it, but I think that, I mean, maybe I should back up for those who are listening about what it actually is and to lead without weaponization, because you do have authority, whether you want it or not, as an EA, there are too many times where you are in the meeting and your executive is not, and you still represent that executive. And so you got to be really careful because you carry authority, whether or not you want it. And so for me, leading without weaponization has been huge. And it's something you have to be really good at because you have to be respected as an EA, not just as the EA of the executive, even if that's your title, I am EA to the COO, et cetera. So I have some incredible mentors and any EA like myself can walk in the door and say, Julie, our CMO would like this to happen and people will naturally follow. They're going to do what you ask. They're going to get it done because your boss wants it done. And they report to that person and they will make sure it happens. But you need to think about the, the way bigger picture, which is that you work for a much larger mission than just your tactical to-do list of your executive. And so for me, I have to leave and to contribute in a way that is best for our customer. It's best for our business. It's best for our team at large versus what my executive wants or what's best for our executive. And so leading without authority is huge because you gain a different type of respect as an executive assistant and as a coworker versus, you know, the messenger. Mm-hmm. Task rabbit. And I, on the larger mission of what I'm doing, which is why the book page has some unconventional book suggestions is, you know, we are our own brand. Ryan is a brand. She started building her brand as a babysitter and through every interaction you had throughout, you know, your life leading till today. And so much of that has to do with what information we receive through the books that we read, the podcasts that we listen to, the conversations that we take on, even if having a conversation uh, might freak you out, right? Because maybe you're like, well, what are they going to talk about? What are they going to ask me? Do I sound smart enough? Um, you are your own smart. And they said this in elementary school to my youngest one, do your personal best, right? And if your personal best is that, oh my gosh, celebrate it. So I think that's really awesome that you're working on that. Uh, and I love that you're reading that book. I am ahead of you. Yeah, I'm ahead. I got a lot of tabbies and highlights on the pages. Um, kind of closing us out here for our time together. You know, what is it about this career that you love? I think I mentioned earlier that I'm a lifelong learner. Uh, Hilani's got a great uh, book page to look at. I could add several more to it. I have them on my own LinkedIn as well. But for me, I wanted to understand the whole puzzle of business. And in this role, I get to see every intersection between product marketing and sales, between strategy and people operations, business development and partnerships. I get to see it all. And business 
at its center is really not that hard to understand, but there are still few careers out there that allow you to understand the micro, the macro, and then be in the micro detail of it all. So that's one part of the role that just satisfies me is this lifelong learning perspective uh, that I get. But there's another part of it, which as a babysitter, I learned that as a young age that I was helping the mother or father or parental figures of those children get more done while their children were away. Um, that babysitting career led me to be a nanny for quite some time of a woman that had just recently been separated. And that meant I had to teach her kids and do their homework and do way, way more than that and keep dinner on the table until she got home. And so for her and for the role that I have now, I was an expansion pack of what she was trying to do. Um, even on the golf course, another way to think about that is a golfer normally doesn't start with a caddy, but when they get to be in the professional uh, golf association, you have a caddy, you play alongside someone and that's your advocate. It's just that additional partner, it's that expansion pack. And so a caddy or a babysitter or an executive assistant or even a chief of staff, we make the business move more efficiently because we can see the course, we can see where the business problems need to be solved. We can see far ahead of what the team is trying to solve and where it's going to go. And that's that helper that like satisfies my heart of helping someone and helping a business or helping an executive. And so between learning and helping, I'm truly satisfied. But every EA role is incredibly unique, which means that your executive is also unique. Um, somewhat more, somewhat more handholding per se, mm -hmm. and somewhat more of a partner. And for me, I thrive in a partnership where we multiply our impact through synergy. Mm -hmm. And that synergy is so key. And, and just to declare this here, I did not put Ryan in her role with her executive. <laughs> I think that might be important because they'll hear synergy and they're like, oh, maybe Helani placed Ryan. I did not. Uh, I did not, but I was excited to meet her and which is what's been exciting for everything happens for a reason. Right. And to be able to bring you here on the show and let you share just that little shift in the way that you're seeing things. I mean, just here at the end, right expansion pack, right? What are you doing to offer the additional leveraging of time in order for you to collaborate with them, take on 80% of the PowerPoint build out where they're off doing something else, you know, viewing the role that serves in the details. I loved how you mentioned macro and micro. I think that is a common thing uh, I actually, I know that's a common thing for those that love this career. And maybe for some of you that are at an intersection of like, oh, do I still love this job or not? We get to see a lot. So it's a very uh, integrated role that gives you exposure to so much that other, even though we feel like we live on an Island and that we are kind of siloed, we're siloed with a lot of screens around us, giving us access to seeing a lot of different things at any given time. And so that's also very exciting. It's also very um, nerve wracking too. I shall point that out just to make it so that everyone knows the, uh, the reality. Ryan, this was so wonderful. I'm very excited that we were able to bring these questions together, spend this time together and record this conversation for others to enjoy. Yeah, Halani, I am only a product of really great executives. Everything you've said that, or that you've highlighted from what I've said is, has been taken from someone that I've learned from, been mentored by, or a company that I've admired. And so um, I'll release this when it comes out 
and, and share it. And so when people see like where I've worked, they should see directly the executives that have taught me all of these things, like being an expansion pack, like being a partner. They're the ones that have taken the EA role for me to be something attractive and something that like still satisfies me today. So I'm really grateful for them. So I am just a product of them uh, that has been influenced by some great leaders. Oh, that was so exciting. Give them their credit. I love it. Well, thank you. This was very uplifting, very exciting. And I appreciate you spending the time with me. Thanks for having me. I don't even know where to begin. We covered so much thought provoking laughter and just great conversation. Remember, you're the reason you get up every day and work as hard as you do. Do things for you, your executive and your organization. And remember, it's all worth it.